Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniac. And I'm your other host, DM Mitch. And today, if you haven't had the chance to read the episode title, you are missing out. But my verbal statement of fear, stress, and werewolf pinatas, I don't know if that'll prepare you for what's about to happen. But thankfully, we have a longtime friend of mine, a friend of the show, and a game designer on the D&D team, Dan Dillon, coming on to talk a little bit more about the horror toolkit, uh, specifically fear and stress. I'm so excited, especially about the werewolf pinata part. That was super fun. And like many things on this show, it just seemed to take on a life of its own and evolve as we went forward. Uh, But before we jump into the meat, uh, we need to, of course, uh, give a shout out to a five star review. And this one deserves a little bit of a special shout out. Uh, Here's the moment that Neil, you and I and Chris will speak for Chris, even though he's not here. Uh, We come clean about something that you may not know about us. And that's that we're human and we make mistakes. And throughout the years, we've had many reviews and some of them may have been accidentally uh, skipped over. And so we're doing our best to rectify that. Uh, And one of our awesome listeners have has written in. Uh, to let us know that we have not read their review on the show before, and that cannot be the case any longer. So here it is, five-star review from Apple Podcasts. This five-star review comes from Einerson and is entitled Grognar's Treasure. I've been listening to DM's Block for a year or so now, and am finally caught up from episode one, What a Ride. I can almost hear DM Mitch's voice reading this review. Oh my goodness, I didn't, this is so great. I didn't know I was supposed to read this review, but it's happening. From the early episodes, you can know that I have hashtag food mage, Flawful Jared, hashtag magic mark, and all the DMs etched in my mind. But to be totally honest, the visual of riding a dragon turtle to charge an underwater, underwater dragon with a lance is top of my list. That and the Riders of Shemesh and the Goblin Buddy, whose name escapes me right now, King Stump. Like so many other audience members, I can attest that when I listen to DM's block, my mind goes crazy with potential ideas from the current and future campaigns. I, too, run a homebrew world, started back in 1979, and every single episode helps me to make it more interesting, dangerous, and a rewarding place for my players. My new bucket list entry is to work my way up to being a guest on the DM's block, but there's substantial work to do before I get there. Wish me luck. Aldruin Vio Flaskmer. P.S. I thought it was. Here you go, Neil. This is for you. P.S. I thought it was Joke Moniac, J-O-K-E space Moniac for a long time too. Neil, you are not a joke. Yes. I love you. But anyway, I can see I the confusion. I am hilarious. Was a, I can see the confusion. That was a fantastic review with lots of uh, Easter eggs uh, to our dedicated listeners, um, which, of course, Einerson, you have 
proven yourself to be uh, and dedicated to the point where you reached out to make sure our, your review got on air. And it is here. It's finally in this episode. And what a good episode this is going to be. Uh, thank you so much for writing that review. And Neil, you know what time it is. Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today on The Meat, we have a very special guest, a personal friend, and it is none other than Dan Dillon. And I am fully prepared for one of my favorite intro guest intros. Uh, a designer for Dungeons and Dragons, of course, for Wizards of the Coast, a familiar to a sphinx cat named Archibald, and an absolute ranger enthusiast. Dan, thank you for coming. Thank on. you so much. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm delighted to be here. Now I'm just sad we're not talking about rangers because apparently that would be where the, all the passion is at. Hi, hey, hey oh, there's, there's <laughs> lots of D and D passion to go around, and if you want to Fantastic. chat about rangers, sometime I'm down. So. <laughs> Let's uh, just in case any of our listeners aren't familiar with you and that uh, in that fantastic introduction didn't give enough in, uh, information. Sure. Dan, can you tell us uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself, whether that's uh, what you do for a living, uh, more uh, information on that or even just anything about you as a person that you'd like them to know? Sure. Uh, well, as I said, I'm a game designer on the uh, the design team at the D&D studio for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, so, you know, I've I've landed my dream job that as a kid I didn't know existed. Um, <laughs> before that, I was a stay-at-home dad and a freelance game designer. And before that, I was in the mental health field, a psychology degree, worked in community mental health centers. So I have kind of a, a, a strange wending background that landed me where I'm at here. Yeah, quite the resume. Yeah. I think that makes for the best game designer. What did you do? A whole bunch of stuff. And you're like, well, perfect. You'll be a game designer. Lots of other things that have nothing to do with games directly. <laughs> However. <laughs> yes, certainly. And then we, this is, this is always an interesting question when we get someone from the D&D team. But Dan, is there anything that you're currently working on that you can tell us about? Or is there anything that you have worked on that you want to highlight? Sure. Uh, so there's tons I'm working on right now, almost none of which I can talk about. Um, I can <laughs> say that I'm that. super, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited for uh, the announced books that we've, we've put out there, uh, The Wild Beyond the Witch Light and Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos. Really excited for those to get into people's hands. And uh, D&D Live should be a whole lot of fun coming up and we're going to give more information about those and who knows what else will show up there. Um, yeah, as for other stuff that I've worked on that I'm that I'm really delighted about, I mean, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything was easily my life for a year and a half. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was a fantastic time to be brought in and, and working on the D and D team. And there's just so much fun stuff in there. Not just the you know, there's the myriad player options. There's so many fun DM toolkit options and uh, just ways to spice up your settings and and add a lot of uh, flavor, like the Mimic Colony, to your uh, yes. <laughs> to your adventures. Fantastic. All right. And as uh, always, we have a surprise question for you. Ooh, um, so your surprise question uh, today is uh, if you, Dan, as a person could choose any D&D creature to be your personal mount. So forget forget whatever you take uh, to work nice. anymore. You have your own D&D &D creature, whatever it is, to be your personal mount, to be your personal transportation for everyday use. What would you choose and why? All right, so here's an interesting one. Do we have to kind of go with them rules as written? 
or are no, we allowed to flex and 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 I, yeah, yeah. I asked you the great, question great, you great, get great, to interpret great. and answer so fantastic fantastic so um size is an issue because i'm kind of a big dude which means i need, I need to significantly have <laughs> to be able to do so my Poor, poor dog. I can't. I can't try to try to ride a <laughs> ride a dog-sized <laughs> creature. Um, so I would probably go with a nightmare. Mm. Uh, they're uh, they're fast. They're just they look cool as all get out. Uh, they can shift into the ethereal plane. They provide you fire resistance. So riding around in the Pacific Northwest heat wave, I would be a okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and they can fly. So and it just you know. Fire horse, yes. Sign me. I mean, let's let's be honest. Nobody's gonna ever cut you off again when you're riding on a horse. And if they do, I just go fire. right over them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic answer. Thank you for that, Dan. And we'll just we'll just skate over the fact that it's an evil fiend. And it'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you can you can teach it, right? It'll be it'll be yeah. a nice little nightmare once you're done with it. So I'm a wizard. I can bind it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, for today, uh, we are going to be talking more about the horror toolkit. Um, specifically, yeah. what we want to focus in our attention today is another section um, of the horror toolkit, which is fear and stress. Dan, you uh, are a writer on this, so can you give us a little bit, if, if any of our listeners uh, haven't been able to pick up the book yet, and beyond just the name of fear and stress, like what is there that they need to know about what the section of the horror toolkit is and what should they be excited about? Yeah. So fear and stress hits on one of the kind of core components of, of horror gaming, particularly in a D&D context, which is, you know, you're supposed to be scared, right? Some scary things are happening, horrific, you know, otherworldly, dark nasty things are happening and so you really want to lean into that fear response to it it's cool to play the hero who's cool as a cucumber and and never loses their their nerve but that's kind of missing the point of a horror game and that's one of the things the book talks about early is lean into that be prepared to be scared hmm. you know think about the sorts of things that will scare your character and this is the section that gives you some buttons to push and some dials to turn to kind of help you lean into that so that that's just kind of the nutshell is hey how do you use fear in a game and and make it relevant to your character and help create that as a way to for you to engage with the horror story and the narrative happening um and so you know we just tried to give you some some quick easy uh mechanical tools that'll piggyback off of some ideas you're already familiar with from playing 5e um, and that particularly being the personality traits ideals bonds and flaws uh, those just sort of uh, little little character blurbs that help you think about who is this person what do they do how do they feel what do they want uh, and so we introduced this idea of seeds of fear where you can pick one or two of these and they're just something that unnerves your character, something that scares you, something that just gets under your skin. So as an example, one of them would be, I can't stand dark places or uh, storms and extreme weather rattle me. So you pick one or two of those and that's a thing you just kind of keep in mind. It's like a new personality trait, but specifically that engages with what frightens you. Um, and so this gives you just kind of a way to think about it, both as a player and as a dungeon master. If you keep like a little list handy, you know, either behind your DM screen or, or just somewhere on your, if you're using, you know, digital gaming on your notepad or, or even just a post-it note nearby, 
just what are the various seeds of fear of the, the characters that you're designing and running adventures for. You can keep that in, in mind when you're creating encounters to make them interesting. Um, and just, you know, keep that in mind for, uh, for how you're going to craft these stories and how your players might engage with them. It sounds like uh, this is um, fantastic for something that I feel like makes the best D&D campaigns or one-shots, just adventures in general, which is that a, a DM always, in my opinion, has to have buy-in uh, to the characters that the players create, but also for the best games, the players have to have buy-in to the story that's being crafted in the work that the DM is setting out. And certainly uh, with uh, a horror-type campaign, uh, there needs to be buy-in, like you're saying. You need to kind of have your characters ready to be afraid at points. Otherwise, because, I mean, I, I've definitely played in games. I've DM'd in games where it's like everybody's playing the D&D character that it's like, I don't want to ever be scared. I'm the hero that's never scared by anything. Nothing ever bothers me. Like, psh, dragon shows up, whatever. It's fine. I've, I have killing dragons in my backstory. Uh, but in a horror game, if that's how all the players are thinking about their characters, you kind of don't have the role-playing opportunities that a horror-type game sets up. So... So this idea of fear um, that you're talking about, it sounds like a pre-campaign or pre-adventure like exercise that you go through with the players and like really just ask them to delve into what is it that really makes your character cringe and like want to run away and hide in a corner. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's creating that point for both the DM and the players to be able to hit that button to engage with both sides of the story, you know, the side of the story that the DM is crafting and presenting for the PCs to react to, and then the side where the PCs decide how they react to it and how they feel about it, and how that's going to shape them going forward or kind of reframe how they look at events that have happened in the past in the campaign or even in their backstory. And, and how that'll affect things in the future. Uh, and so, it, like, it's easy, you know, the Dungeon Master's Guide gives you uh, a little bit of guidance on saying, hey, you know, things can be scary, make a saving throw, get frightened, you know, that sort of thing, which we still kind of lean into here, but this gives you a way to contextualize that. So it's like, it's not just, you know, the DM's arbitrary whim, ooh, spooky. It's like, no, no, you know, Radic, the, uh, the, the thief, you're afraid of spiders and you just fought phase spiders. I need you to make me a wisdom saving throw to see if you can hold your nerve, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and we even take it a little step further, uh, leaning into the that personality traits idea, which links into the concept of inspiration, where if you do something that resonates with one of your character's personality traits, the DM can award you inspiration. Mm -hmm. And so for this, we, we even say, hey, you know, if a character really leans into that horror aspect and says, oh, you know, my my fear of deep water is kicking in, and I am I am not willing to swim across this this rushing river. You're gonna have to, you know, and they take the time to build a raft or, you know, chop down a tree to create a bridge, find another way around. Maybe they lose time on whatever they're doing. Maybe they make noise cutting down a tree and felling it, and maybe wandering monsters might come to see what that is. But they're leaning into that fear element for their character, potentially to their own detriment that's an avenue to award them inspiration. Yeah, I love, I, well, I love the seeds because, the, I mean, to like spin that analogy a little farther, it's like it's seeds that can also lead to more seeds mm -hmm. because oftentimes with the, the ideals and the bonds and the flaws, like those are always good starting points. But 
and they're super helpful for a player that doesn't really know their character but they're also these great jumping off points for a character a player that does know their character yep um and seeing the seeds of fear and be in thinking of like things and ways that they can they can do that without um having to engage having to engage directly with the table but being able to do it in a different way and that's yeah. a win for like the you as a dm and the players when you are describing and you've set up this thematic element of fear so much that maybe you as the dm don't even need to say hey um raxus you have written down that you're afraid of um l- like looming shadows uh you need to be able to roll like whatever it is um but the player themselves say dm you just described this event i think i better i I better make a roll or i better like take into account some sort of penalty here because my character would be a little traumatized by this event right yeah and and one thing is you know outside of the if you want to use the make a saving throw gain the frightened condition if you if you want to use that that's fine if you don't we don't mandate penalties in this system for you this is really just a a tool for you to use if a player wants to take those penalties onto themselves that's great and and that's up to them and their table you know how how they all engage with that that's that's wonderful um but it really is just you know think about how you're going to role play your interactions and even that without getting into the mechanical side of things that can open up so many interesting possibilities because maybe they they shift the contact they're going to meet with because that other npc hits one of their steeds of fear and unnerves them and they're just like "Mm, no that's i i'm not comfortable talking to that person let's find another way and so you know that that can create all kinds of interesting side stories and uh take take the adventure in directions that weren't initially obvious and sometimes those are the most fun yeah i think that the list there at the end of like options of how to be frightened is also one of the ones that just really stands out to me Mm. of like what would spark potentially that fear and so the one i think of is the character experiences where the monster or whatever it is is immune to what they're doing Mm. and you just think of all the ways that happens like you stab and then that classic they just pull the sword closer and the the character closer Mm -hmm. or there's this explosion and then they just you know the dust clears and there's not a scratch on it and they keep coming yep yeah how do you deal with that when the 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 biggest things that you have trotted out just bounce off of this thing like water off a duck's back like you know because that that's got to be a moment where your heart just sort of turns to ice and uh and so yeah that that section on fear of hey these are the these are the points where you might call for a saving throw or some sort of fearful response those are uh those are are fun guidance for dms to think about uh even not, not just things in the moment but even how to craft an encounter or an event yeah, because the other one I think of is is so it feels so classic and and not inherently in a tropey way of the whatever it is the monster we'll just use monster yeah. as it is an easy term the monster demonstrates that it could reduce you to zero whatever it kind of feels like it and that's that classic you, the rustling in the trees and then just so and so is gone and like maybe there's just a boot <laughs> left behind or there's just this smear where they used to be um, but like engaging like oh no no this is this is more 
than we thought and what do we do and i think it's that fear of the unknown i think is a big factor that you're you're trying to play into. yeah you're traveling with a renowned knight into the haunted woods and something comes out of the bushes and just deals 65 points of damage and zeros them in one one go and you're like oh 65 points i have 48 hit points so (laughs) (laughs) there but for the grace of the d20 go i so (laughs) so uh just to play maybe devil's advocate for a second here because i can i can maybe picture um some dms having this question of like you set up this exercise before you jump into an adventure and you work through what is what are my characters afraid of the characters mm-hmm. the pcs that are going to be uh, in this adventure what are they afraid of um is it a lazy part on the dm to go here are the things that my players have told me they're afraid of now I'm going to use these exact elements in the campaign rather than being creative and coming up with things on my own. Is What are your guys' thoughts on that? Oh, no, I don't think that's lazy at all. I think that's you being an active listener as a DM, and you're taking the things that the players have said, hey, this is the stuff my character's afraid of. This is what I want to engage with mm. in your story. Mm. Like, I, I am giving you this gift of saying, frighten me, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would... Um, I, I would say that that is not lazy at all. That is being uh, a good listener and an attentive DM to to craft the sort of story that your players have just flat out told you we are interested in this. That's buying, yeah. And 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 I think I'll, to be the devil's advocate's advocate <laughs> is the there there's a lazy version of that. I will say that the, that 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 can be true, but I think um, if you're if you're shoehorning it, I think the way that Dan described it, if you're crafting the story. With the pieces that they that they gave you, it, I think it's perfect. You're finding those spots that that fits, that it's reasonable for the story. It's engaging with that fear because it's also that buy-in, and I'm showing. It, obviously, I'm saying me doing it, but like I'm going to show that your investment is important to me, and I'm going to like reinvest in in the elements of the story that you're telling me you want. Now that said, just show like randomly throwing a deep yeah. lake when it doesn't yeah. make sense maybe that sure that's the lazy version of it but i again i think using that word craft like i'm crafting the story with the pieces that you give the players yeah. are giving you these ingredients you're in charge of mm-hmm. creating the recipe and who's to say that you're not putting other ingredients into the story and making it craft well together but yeah i think i think you're right neil like if you just like shove it in there like oh my players wrote they're afraid of porcelain dolls. So like, well, that doesn't really work my story, but I got to have buy-in, so I'm going to shove it in there somewhere and it's not going to make sense. Like that's that's where you as the DM use your creativity and make it part of the story. It's okay to shift that story around. In fact, maybe you don't start even thinking about the story until you've really honed in on what are the fears that these PCs um, have and how do I how do I create a story around them? Or even if you do, you go into your prep with the knowledge of, all right, I need to make sure that I'm leaving some sort of gaps in my my brain space that the players are going to fill in with the things that they want to be afraid of. Uh, Because you're absolutely right, Neil. You really can't just be like, and, you know, you're fighting uh, werewolves. Oh, and flip, flip, flip. Oh, I guess you're afraid of spiders. So also a swarm of spiders, Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) This is meh. 
<laughs> that's that is that is not a, a, an engaging sort of scenario it's not because it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense right yeah. it's not true buy-in it's just something you just sort of plopped against the wall at the last minute because you remembered oh yeah fear um but no if you're thinking yep. about it from the get-go uh it it's gonna gel much better well, and it's yeah and it's such an interesting thing too because my my thought was like and, the, and I think the, these are the kind of conversations you need to have with yourself or find a safe DM space because obviously it's hard to talk to your players about the things you want to scare them with. <laughs> um, but even the idea that what if the werewolf, you know, it, it's on its last legs, if it will, rips this hole in itself and a swarm of spiders oh come out of it. Sure, absolutely. Now we're on board. Yeah. Now we're super on board and the players hate everything that's happening. Well, yeah, I hate um, everything that's happening. I want to play that encounter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, exactly. But uh, what you're doing there is you're leaning into the horror element of it, right? It's mm-hmm. not just, you're not just peppering something on the top as a, as a footnote, right? You, you've taken just that one little detail of, oh, the spiders were inside the werewolf all along. <laughs> yeah, and now we're right back into creating that horror atmosphere and everybody's bought in. Because everyone hates it, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one likes this. Nobody, nobody likes that. Yeah, I do think uh, it, the thing is, if you if you miss, if you don't have buy into the players' fears that they write down, that you're missing that huge opportunity, and ultimately you're telling that player, hey, that time you spent to come up with those fears, it meant nothing because I didn't, I didn't use that in the story, like. That is something that as a DM, okay, it's time to step up and be creative and, and make that part and, of the story. And you're making things a little bit harder for yourself as a DM to craft these things mm-hmm. because you have been handed components that will have instant connection to the to the players that handed them to you. And if you're ignoring that, you're you're choosing, no, no, here's here's a path, right? I can't see the end of it. It's dark and spooky, but there's a path there. I'm gonna go wander over here and climb some rocks, right? <laughs> you just take the path that they are giving you. They want yeah. to go down there and be scared. <laughs> Um, one of the things I do love about this is we also talk about seeds of fear changing. So we also build in that concept of growth over time because people overcome their fears, right? That's that's a major component of these sorts of stories is you're afraid. How do you face it? And do you eventually conquer that fear? So we talk about maybe you conquer your fear of spiders or your fear of dark places. And but like what think about what happened in the course of the story over which you overcame that. And maybe that is replaced by, okay, you've you've conquered your fear of the dark, but you were trapped in a cave-in for X long and had to survive and, and dig your way out. Maybe now you're afraid of tight and closed spaces because that experience has stayed with you. So if there's just the, there's a lot of fun potential there for shifting and growth and change. So if a particular flavor of fear, a seed of fear gets a little stale or older played out, or just, you know, it's its particular story runs its course, which happens, don't be afraid to let that story have an ending and then write a new one in its wake. Yeah. And, and that's something, again, you can start before you even get into the story. Like you can state to your players and say, listen, like we're right now working on the types of fears that your characters have. Don't feel limited by this list. Like if something happens in this adventure and it's new and it's not something that you don't go, well, I didn't have it written down on the piece of paper. (laughs) Yeah. Like even as we said, um, Neil just described this horrific uh, scene where a werewolf 
rips open its chest as it's dying. Maybe like that sword slash that killed it. Like you tell the players like, oh, describe how you kill it. Oh, I slash it across the chest and blood flows out. And you as the DM are like, not just blood, but also <laughs> millions blood spiders. of spiders. Like that's a moment <laughs> where like hopefully your players are going, oh, gosh. And they might not have written down spiders. But now maybe all the players are like, this is a horrifying event. I am now scarred, and now I also am wanting to add on spiders as an event. Maybe that last slash, I wasn't, I'm no longer afraid of werewolves, and now it's spiders. Exactly. Yeah, one of the best parts of, of tabletop role-playing games is being willing to let the story dictate to you where it's going to go based on what happens, and this is a great uh, place to do that. Also, we do. We should say that um, this need this werewolf creature needs to be created as a as a monster, and it should totally be called the werewolf pinata. So, <laughs> oh, that's a that's a terrifying template. The worst birthday party ever. <laughs> but I mean, but it is a really fun mechanical thing that you know we've talked about a lot here on the podcast before of like what happens when a creature reaches half health or what happens mm. when they reach X health. Um, or X damage done to them, uh, and just the idea of a werewolf pinata. Ta-da! <laughs> and also, this just popped into my head, because let's take the werewolf pinata with the spider swarms. A, a great way to do this is to create a dark mirror of whatever your characters are doing. So let's say you have a swarm keeper ranger who uh, is in the party, and they have this you know beneficial relationship with a swarm of creatures, with spiders, bats, fairies, hummingbirds whatever they are um and so then you just kind of create that that twisted inverse of it so now they're going to have to deal with this werewolf that has a a bonded spider swarm <laughs> well done dan we got our ranger yes. talk in i'm proud of you there it is <laughs> yes. so another aspect that i would love us to talk about is the aspect of stress in the horror toolkit and I feel that this is maybe like if you're if you're talking about a horror type adventure, fear is pretty much one of the first things that pops into the mind of both um, the players and uh, the DM of something that needs to be focused in on. But in the horror toolkit, it also talks about stress. And I feel like maybe that's a little bit something that we might miss in thinking about. So, uh, Dan, can you talk about the element of stress? And I mean, specifically in Van Richten's, it talks about uh, adding stress points. Can you talk a little sure. bit about that? Yeah. So when we think of fear, that's kind of like, you know, you know, fear can build slowly and mount over time. But at the end, when it really has its impact, it's kind of a visceral in the moment sort of thing, right? Like this scary thing happens. Ah, deal with it, right? Stress is the kind of slow boil. Stress is the, the mounting toll that existing in a horror setting, in a horror story, will take on the people, because, you know, the characters are people, uh, who are forced to endure that. And in a place like Ravenloft, it can be um, an unfortunate reality that you can go a long time without having a real sense of peace and rest. And just the idea of how would that wear on you over time as you're constantly facing all of these horrific and draining and awful things and just never really able to, to kind of stop and get your emotional breath, right? And that's where stress comes in. And so the, the very, very simple uh, element of it, you mentioned the stress points. So you, you, can, you can build up a stress score. Stressful thing happens, you gain a stress point. And so then you apply your total stress as a penalty to D20 rolls that you make. 
uh, and that just represents your nerves being frayed, your your mind being scattered, just being just mentally fatigued, and not getting into things like the exhaustion system, because that's that's more of a physical and sometimes even like metaphysical draining. This is this is purely emotional, mental uh, weight on you, and it's making you slower. It's making you uncoordinated. It's you know you're having a harder time making decisions. Your uh, your resolve is cracked, and as more of this builds up the more pronounced and profound that that effect becomes. Uh, and so really, you, you are incentivized to seek out those bright shining moments between the moments of horror, which every horror story needs, right? You, you, you need a break from the tension, you need to be able to take a breath. And so do the characters. And this is this is where it kind of uh, the mechanics model that uh, for you, if that's something that you're interested in playing up uh, in doing the sort of, you know, looking for the rest in between the long drawn out bouts of horror. Well, and I, I, for this one, not all of them work to take and just walk, walk into your full DM toolkit. Um, fear, sure. fear doesn't necessarily work for every game. I think mm-hmm. though stress can work for a lot of different games, depending on the style that you're playing. Because I also thought about what if you, you applied these stress elements to a war campaign. Um, mm, yes. and, and so the, there, there is no respite. There is no rest. There is, especially if you're in, um, one listener said we had, um, inspired them to make like a trench, a magical trench warfare. I knew you were going to world war one for some yeah, reason. And so, this was happening. I knew it was going. Yeah. On. And yeah. so the idea of these, these new magics that are being thrown and you're in the trenches and racking up those stress points, um, yeah. could work really well for that as well. And I will, I will uh, kind of pause here to say that this is a point where you definitely want to be referring outside of the horror toolkit back to the session zero material, mm-hmm. where you really want to have a, a frank discussion with your players about the sort of themes of your campaign and make sure everyone's cool with that and talk about, hey, you know, maybe psychological burnout and, and just that, that emotional drain that can sort of weigh on you. This is an element that I'm thinking of exploring in this game. Is everyone okay with that? And if so... Where are you okay with it or not okay with it? Where are your limits? Let's talk about it. And be sure to revisit that as yeah. the, as play goes on, as people maybe reassess, relearn, um, and find new boundaries. Because this is this is getting into the sort of thing that can hit pretty close to home for a lot of people. And you want to make sure that you're being um, respectful and and careful and safe with your friends around your table like you know we're not here we're here to have fun we're not here to traumatize each other (laughs) that's that's a great point um i know uh i ran an adventure that like it was it was a lot of darker themes it was a lot of high stress moments um it, it was uh sometimes me as the dm putting the the player characters into situations where i did not have a way for them to get out and was relying on them to figure a way out and there were some moments where it was like we got out of this but it wasn't without casualties it wasn't without like really difficult things that had to happen and i think uh, you do need to kind of maybe set that up at the beginning and say this is this is do you guys even want to play an adventure like this are we are we open to doing this and i know that after that campaign um my players and me sat down and we had a like a discussion we always after um a, a game ends like we have a discussion on uh what happened throughout the campaign and um just story elements and um things that they loved things that they didn't so much like and a lot of them said 
Yeah, in the moment, a lot of those situations we were in were not necessarily fun to play in, but it was that accomplishment of getting out of those that was so rewarding. And looking yeah. back and seeing those story elements, I, I guess I, I I think one of my players actually referred to it almost as like a Dark Souls type feel of like That's stress, exactly what I was frustration, yep. but then you, you triumph. Um, even if there's loss, there's triumph. And uh, yeah, the this element of stress uh, that we're talking about, I think it is appropriate, as you said, Dan, to make sure the players know that this is something that you're thinking as a DM up front and hopefully like, like go into it as a team of people wanting to have fun and explore different themes, but do it in a way that everybody's, everybody's cool with it. Everybody's on, on board so that you can have that look back and man, even if it was stressful as players, the time that you look back and you go, but yes, we told a good story together and we explored some things that were very interesting to explore. Yeah. yeah. In the moment, it can be it can be rough. But if you look back and think, man, that was a really good time, just sort of as an aggregate, then then I think, you know, you're doing it right. Um, and, and one of the important things to keep in mind is that it, do, do be willing for people to revisit their boundaries because consent can be withdrawn. Right. It, someone could say that they're cool with something up front. And then once they get there in the moment, they're like, you know what, this is very uncomfortably close to something uh, difficult that I have dealt with. And I didn't realize it was going to hit me that way. Can we please not? Yeah. And and please be respectful of that, right? Yeah, and then I think um, the most interesting thing is also thinking about how you're engaging the whole party with the seeds of fear that have been planted because there there are versions um, going back to Dan. Well, no, let's just go back to werewolf pinatas. Um, <laughs> the, the idea that does one werewolf do that and it engages with the one player that or the one player character that has the fear of spiders? Because there's something different to be said about every werewolf does that and every player has to now engage with that conversation. And maybe yeah. that's not okay, but but that player could still be okay because, it. I mean, it, just the simple fact that it's happening to another player character, not their own. Yeah. Like, they're not right. having... And the same with the cave-in. Do you have yeah. the cave-in happen to one player? Do you have the cave-in happen to the whole party? And figuring out where the... Because the, the lines and certain things, like, so figuring out where that is because now you're still having that fear engaged for the one and not necessarily that direct engagement for the other and you're off you're still off and going and yeah and you can piggyback these situations and you have like imagine you're role playing through a scary situation a stressful situation um in game and uh i can picture a really fantastic role playing time where literally all the players are like in character and they're like yelling at each other as like these zombie arms are bursting through the windows or whatever, but they're like getting into it. And it's like, (laughs) you can tell they're getting into the stress and the fear of the situation. And when that situation is uh, quote unquote resolved, whatever it is, um, maybe you as the DM, you, you have a moment and you just say, Hey guys, uh, do we need to add some stress points here? Uh, And you do that. And then you say, and you know what? Okay. Everybody add, this many stress points and let's take a break. Let's, let's, let's go get, let's go get some iced coffee. <laughs> let's yep. come back and let's, let's take a breather. Maybe even talk through 
as people the situation that just happened and what's going on with the characters. Um, But like, certainly there is nothing wrong. I think I typically do it every time I play D and D with saying, let's take a break. Let's have an intermission bathroom break, grab some drinks. But this might be the exact point in a horror campaign uh, where you go, let's add some stress points and let's take a break. And then we'll come back. It also gives the players some time to, if you, if they really do want to dive into what that, idea of stress means for their character give them a second give them a second or two to think about that and so they can jump back in with some some thinking into their role playing yeah absolutely having a little debrief or an after action report even in the middle of the session where it can be like all right everybody grab some water take a breather let's talk about what just happened you know how are your characters feeling how are you feeling you know that sort of thing and uh, you, you bring up a good point about like, hey, this thing happened, let's add some stress. And we give you some bullet points of here are examples of uh, situations that could be, could be, not must, but could be uh, good points for you to, uh, to apply some stress uh, to the characters. And, you know, it's things like uh, a tense dramatic moment involving one of the seeds of fear. So said werewolf pinata might go ahead and be, uh, a wisdom saving throw against being frightened and a point of stress <laughs> for the for the arachnophobic character. <laughs> um, it, one that I like is every 24 hours you go without finishing a long rest. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people like to house rule exhaustion. That's fine. Uh, there's even a suggested optional rule in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything for that. Um, if But for a lot of reasons, groups don't like to engage with that, and that's okay. But if you're using the stress system, I think sleep deprivation is a great place, speaking as a, as a parent, to, uh, <laughs> to, to levy some, hey, you know what, maybe you're just not functioning at 100% after you spend three days without any meaningful sleep, you know. He said days. That's cute. <laughs> well, you know. It's I think I just immediately thought of the Titanic meme. It's been eighty-four years. Yeah. Uh, but the other the other thing I thought what Mitch you mentioned that break is one thing as someone who literally just made a joke right now, um, is being mindful of not letting the breaks in the tension erode the tension. Um so if you have that break uh, depending on how necessary that is, but also you're probably going to have a player make a joke in those stressful times because that is a coping mechanism for fear and stress that a lot of people have, myself certainly included, um, is doing that, but then not letting it go from, the, the again, going back to a meme, going from D&D to Monty Python, um, but right. l- allowing those those moments to, again, break the tension, not completely erode the tension um just something certain certainly to be mindful of uh, when adding this fear and stress in the game yeah that's a good point uh and then i think uh, it would be important for us to talk about reducing stress because you know we've talked a whole heck of a lot on how to build all of this horrible stuff <laughs> on your characters how do you how does it go away yeah. uh the the, the very simplest thing is if you can spend a whole day and, and this is not just finish a long rest but spend a whole day in calm relaxing and i mean not necessarily you don't have to be at a spa or whatever right you have to be out of danger Right, you don't have to have. There's no looming specter of doom or spiders crawling up the wall uh, outside of you. And after that day of actually being able to breathe and process, when you finish a long rest, you reduce a point of stress. So, uh, and then magic can help. Uh, magic can either temporarily uh, eliminate the effects of stress, so like calm emotions, 
when you use the um, the suppressed, charmed, and frightened options of that spell, you can also suppress the effects of stress on a character. So if you really need to, you you've been going for a long time. You're you're battling the vampire lord. You're all stressed. You're afraid. You're starting to come apart at the seams. You can actually trade. Hey, I'll burn a, a you know non insignificant resource in the form of a, a second or higher level spell slot to cancel our stress for right now when we need to be clutch, right? And so that's a choice you get to make. And then you can use um, you know, other magic to reduce it a point at a time or even the whole thing if you're willing to drop some pretty serious magical mojo on uh, on clearing the stress score. But I do love like thinking about that, like clearing the stress with magic though. The thing that like was running through my mind was, oh, like I've like I'm really tired, but I gotta keep staying up. I'll drink a cup of coffee. All right, I'll drink another cup of coffee and another cup of coffee. And like for me, if I was playing in that campaign situation, um, like I would be asking myself as a player, like how long before there's a crash, right? Like, yes, like you, yep. you could certainly just like not even think about that. And the magic works. It's it clears the stress. But is there a constant building? Is it a real getting rid of stress or is it like a it's it's that band-aid on right it's not truly yeah. the healing that's needed to take place yeah you're removing the mechanical effects of the stress so it's not impairing your ability to swing a sword or mm -hmm. notice when someone's sneaking up on you but there are effects outside of that and that's where you really think about how the narrative of it is impacting you and you know D, &D is very um abstract in in a, a lot all <laughs> most of its its mechanics like look at hit points hit points aren't meat points or body points, right? Yeah. They represent a lot of different things. And it's honestly, it's difficult to unpack sometimes because it's cramming a lot of different ideas into this little number of what these points are. Because, you know, everybody loves to talk about, oh, I was, you know, I was stabbed through the belly five times. I have one hit point left. I'll just, I'll, I'll sleep it off. I'm fine. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we, we just kind of roll with that. But it's like, imagine if you're adventuring for a week and every day you're getting dropped to zero or almost to zero. Like, okay, you're getting your hit points back when you take a long rest and when you get some magic. But I mean, there's wear and tear to consider, right? Like how, how battered and bruised are you feeling even though when it matters, you can, you can be functioning at, at full capacity. And, and that's, that's a fun place to think about how to just sort of narratively play with the story of your character and stress is the same way. You may be removing the points that are, that are uh, impairing your roles, but I mean, you're not removing the events that happened and those can factor into how you think about how your character engages with the world. So good. So we're ready to move on to my favorite section always because it's just really just having other people tell me cool things to observe. <laughs> um, but we're going to jump right into our homework section. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. listeners, if you just saw behind Dan, he could just like wave a hand backwards <laughs> behind him. Homework. Um, a literal library there, behind Yes. Him. <laughs> are there anything that we can suggest to read, to watch, to engage with, to kind of help um, listeners observe something that, that would help get these ideas um, even further into their brains. Sure. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. So I start thinking of like, think of one of the sections in the book and it's not what we talked about here, but there's a section on um, uh, what do we call it? Styles of horror, I believe mm -hmm. uh, genre, genres of yeah. horror. And um there's there's just so many different flavors of horror right and which which flavor are you going to lean into look at think about what you're going to be running and what you want to portray and then find fiction and media that leans into that so if you're thinking you want cosmic horror um or psychological horror 
maybe watch something like Event Horizon. I know it's sci-fi or, you know, but it has a lot of cool elements where, you know, the spaceship has been somewhere else for a number of years and now it returns and it returns wrong because it brought some sort of consciousness or spiritual being back with it from where it came from and how that affects the people who are inside it. So there's just, you know, you don't even need to be looking purely in the fantasy genre for, you can just look for any intersection of horror. Uh, that uh, recently I saw Crimson Peak and I'm a little behind on that one, but who boy, if you want ghost story inspiration, that's got some fun stuff for you. Um, I think my go-to for getting some fear and stress in a way that I think you could really adapt to D&D is watch the first Saw movie. Before, mm. before it became a little bit more of a gotcha series, um, that very first one, because of how enclosed that element is and everything that happens there, um, I think it's a really good one um, to kind of see how um, fears can be played into. Uh, speaking of movies, but also ones that are not actually horror, like thinking about this whole idea of stress, the first thing that came to my mind was the first act in uh avengers endgame uh where you start to see these and this i feel like this does fit in well because we're talking about a lot of times in D, we're talking about heroes um that uh the the pcs or the players are playing and certainly avengers endgame is focusing on these heroic characters who have gone through this extreme trauma this traumatic event this crazy stress and looking at how it affects each and every one of them specifically i think of um clint as hawkeye and the the route that he goes after like the character had to ask like what what is my life now after seeing all these terrible things um unfold before my eyes and certainly as uh you are dming a game where you're thinking about stressful situations and as uh, you're, if you're a player running through that, I think that could be some uh, good inspiration of the different routes that a character uh, can go on after dealing with that built-up stress for so long. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I, uh, I wouldn't have thought of Endgame's uh, sort of intro act for that. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That shows uh, a lot of the just sort of effects of all of these tremendous world events that are grinding down on people yeah. who are you know arguably the strongest of us yep. right and even they're they're not they're not unaffected in some cases yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all are affected in different ways but they're all affected yep. by it yeah yeah absolutely uh, another so something to read would be and i probably suggested it uh before but reading monstrous um because there is a lot of both stress and fear because there's a lot of unknown that's happening there's like these old gods if style if you will and one kind of exists inside of the main character so you're constantly dealing with the stress and fear and battle of like don't let this thing out it kind of kills a whole bunch of people anytime it happens and you're in the midst of a war so then there's the stress of um just the family relationships that the main character has just a lot of a lot of stress in mm. hindsight. I'm not familiar thinking, with that one. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, it's get ready though. It's got a lot of dialogue and a lot of lore. It's dense, but it's very, very good. <laughs> cool. Okay, so I think our most important question though, Dan, where can people go to find you on the interwebs and keep track of all the awesome things you're doing? Sure. Um, probably the best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Dan underscore Dylan underscore one. Which 
makes me laugh every time because I'm sad DM Chris isn't here because he is definitely DM Chris one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, turns out there's a lot of Dan Dillons yeah. and probably a lot of Chris's out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much uh, just for being on the show. We'd, we'd love to have you back. Uh, maybe sometimes oh, talk about Rangers. That'd be great. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, it was wonderful to have you on the show. Oh, this was great. I really, uh, really dug coming out and talking to you guys. Thanks for having me out. Well, again, we want to thank Dan Dillon for joining us on this episode. We really hope that you enjoyed just as much as we did, maybe even more, uh, this episode. I know I loved having this uh, this conversation. Uh, it gave me a lot of great ideas. I hope it did you, the listeners, of well as well of how to uh, put fear and stress into your games. And, of course, Neil, you know many werewolf pinatas. Uh, but if you loved this episode, future episodes, past episodes, whichever episodes that you love, uh, we would love it if you headed to your podcast catcher of choice and gave us a five-star review. It helps us uh, to get out there, reach other players and DMs, and maybe new DMs that are just starting or haven't started yet but uh, are looking to take that that next step. So uh, head on over to your podcast catcher of choice and give us a five-star review. And of course you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block or like us on Facebook. Um, and you can keep up to date in either of those places. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, We're So Bad at Adventuring, Diamnastics, and more. And that's all we have for you on this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come together to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And I'm DM Mitch, reminding you to always keep on dungeon mastering. Everybody leaning, I make the crowd rock. Now go to 